0: Hello, my name's Maria Wotton, and this is the Seeing Stories podcast. This podcast is all about stories, mythological, traditional, fictional, societal, all kinds of different stories. And today, our theme is Research. Researching stories, researching to make a piece of fiction or a poem. This is all about looking for that (sighs) information. You know, when I was young, the thought of researching anything kind of sent me into a spin, a fearful dread, uh, research. It would make me think about myself in a dusty old library, surrounded by books, looking into them, reading academic texts, noting down references. I had this kind of picture in my head just then of me falling down a spiral staircase built of ancient tomes in a kind of, oh no, I've got to write an essay, in a nightmarish way. Well, 20-odd years on, having been a storyteller and a writer for a long time now, My perspective on research is entirely different. Now, if you suggest research to me, I feel alive. I find research an absolute joy. And today I'm going to be talking to Matt Black, poet and playwright, because I know Matt loves research too. And we're going to be talking about processes and the way we approach research. So, Matt, are you there?
1: Hi, Maria.
0: I'm here. Great. Great to hear you. Research, Matt. I mean, let's start with your way of doing it. What is your process when you're researching?
1: Uh, Well... I think for me there are different sorts of research so uh, there are probably different processes for the different sorts. Um, I don't think that I really, like you, I initially as a writer don't think that I thought about research as something I wanted to do or excited me. I think as a young writer, you, you're fed certain things, I think. You're fed, mm. uh, you're fed, write what you know, which is yeah. one thing. Uh, yeah. you're, you're fed also that legacy, going back to another subject of your podcasts. You're fed, mm. um, you're fed a sort of romantic sensibility that what you write about comes from inside yourself. Uh, and is from your experience and it's only in the last 10 to 15 years that I've done more research Um, and I've done different kinds of research during that time Uh, I've done what I call field research uh, Mm -hmm. where you go out and uh, take notes on something that's happening i remember going to research the cooling towers being blown up in sheffield mm. uh, and spending oh tell me about that I... well but we yeah, heard... I did say
0: a bit more matt
1: okay we heard yeah. that uh well there was there was several years of debate about what would happen to the cooling towers by uh, junction 34 meadow hall um that are sort of always talked about as iconic you know they're things you see mm. when you go up the m1 and mm. uh, there was taught that they might be reshaped as opera houses or as helter-skelters mm. and then eventually they did decide to blow them up uh mm. and i thought that would be a really interesting thing to go and experience uh yeah. and that i might potentially write something about it um And it was an amazing thing to go to experience, partly because they decided to blow them up at two o'clock in the morning because they were worried, I think, partly about traffic, but also about the number of people who would attend the event. Um, And as it turned out, two o'clock in the morning, that was like party time. So loads of people drove to Meadow <laughs> car park at two o'clock in the morning oh, yeah. and there was a fantastic gathering and uh, they sort of imploded and as they came down, <laughs> they they were like two enormous, uh, as they came down they turned into rose petals falling wow. because yeah. they sort of curved inwards and, uh, and I took a lot of notes and turned that into something and so that was that was a piece of field research, I think.
0: So, so that research was about you being on site,
1: yeah, very and much res- so
0: and responding to what you were witnessing,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and there's so many other kinds of research similar to that where you go and collect information from people who have yeah. experienced something. Uh, you know, like I went and researched people who have been through floods, talked to them, and you get fantastic material uh, that you couldn't make up.
0: Yes, and in fact, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about research was because when you um came to my once upon a wednesday zoom session oh yeah um, yeah, you, you, yeah yeah it's a really good fun <laughs> um you you read a poem that you'd written about a taxi rank and what you said about that poem really made me want to talk to you about okay. research so um tell me a bit about that because my memory is Matt that you said something like this that you were walking past this taxi rank and you thought to yourself well, you know that, that place must be full of stories you know the people that the taxi drivers they must um talk to so many people I want to find out more so you literally went in and asked the guy who runs it if you could talk to the, the
1: yeah, drivers that was, that was that was more or less it i i uh, I was uh, I was eavesdropping the way you do, and uh, overheard taxi drivers talking about stuff that had been happening in Chesterfield the night before, and yeah. uh, thought well, they 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 know a lot about a town, don't they? Uh, and so um, I an opportunity came up uh, to do a, a commission piece of work, and they said to me, "What would you like to write about?" And I said, "I'd really like to uh, see if I could." Uh, visit central cars in Chesterfield uh, for a couple mm. of mornings and talk to the taxi drivers and gather their stories. Yeah. Um, and what came out of that for me was uh, that their stories were in the voices of the taxi drivers. Uh, yes. And so you get you get things like uh, 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 this this bloke. I can't remember now. <laughs> I'll try. This, this, oh, this bloke gets in the taxi. He's got. He's just left. His, he's just been dumped by his girlfriend. He's got three carrier bags, toaster, and a pair of shoes under one arm. And it's like, you know, you'd struggle to write the the efficiency of that in conveying what it's conveying, because yeah. yeah. it's just pure storytelling, isn't it? It's pure, it is. It's pure economy as well.
0: It is. Have you got that poem a hand? Would you be able to
1: uh, read it for us, or I um, might do. Let me have a look. Be,
0: well, as you're looking, what I wanted to say about that is. Um, I think this is something about exactly as you were just saying about that authentic language, because it's come straight from the mouth of the driver himself. The word is, and I always struggle to say this word, verisimilitude, that thing that we as writers always want to get, an a sense of authenticity, a sense of, for the reader anyway, the appearance of what you write being real and authentic and yeah yeah
1: yeah what's coming to my mind is also that other word similar uh similar word verbatim yeah which has a sort of crossover doesn't it because verbatim is writing i think verbatim theater is when you use more or less exactly the words words, you've heard Um, yes i found that poem
0: Oh great! Go on.
1: Um, I just read a little bit. It's quite long. Uh,
0: yeah, please do.
1: So it's each verse is in the voice of a different taxi driver. So I'll just read the first three. There's a rude one, rude word in there. Is that all right, Maria?
0: It depends what the rude word is, love. I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you to decide whether you
1: okay. slightly change it or
0: depends how bad it is. You know.
1: Is this a, is this an eighteen plus audience?
0: Well, the thing is, some of my young people do um, listen to the podcasts. It not so... terrible.
1: I think this is a common enough word. It's all right. All right. Okay. All right. So the poem's called "I Forgot My Teeth," and <laughs> each of these three verses is in the Is something that a, a separate, different taxi driver told me. I picked up two lasses, only wanted a short ride down the pub. On the way down they said, we haven't got no money, can we pay you in kind? I said, yeah, that's fine, please go to your house and kindly get me some money. One of my mates said, can I use your cab for a shag? And I said, okay, but I'll have to leave the meter on. I just stood there by the road, leaning on a fence, watching the cab going up and down. I tried to video it on the phone, but it were too dark. Took him about 20 minutes, about 12 quid it were, I think. Good ride, that were. I gave a woman a lift to town. We got there. She said, take me back home. I said, what's up? She said, I've got odd shoes on. (laughs) So that's three examples, and I would say that, like all writing, it is, it is more or less verbatim, but there are little little tweaks just for rhythm and emphasis. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know whether you've ever read any of John Rowe's, um poems that he's based on. Um, Th- these kinds of interviews with people. He's also really great at doing that. And in effect, he curates what people say and hones and crafts it. And uh, uh, they are very, very beautiful poems. Um, maybe I will to get John to talk to us at some yeah, point about that those.
1: Wonderful.
0: But you're right, you know, Matt, about that exact uh, taking people's real words, real thoughts, I feel that as a writer, that's what you long for, that when like, you've taken those real people's words, but you know when you are creating a character or you are imagining a fictitious place, yeah. the other thing that I'd like to talk to you about is how you do that, how you take your research and infuse it into the work. So that it feels it has that sense of authenticity. Yeah. Um, well, because yeah, go on.
1: Well, I was I, I was going to give a short answer and then I was going to say that I know that you've been working on a piece. Uh, is it? I think about Belfast. Is it?
0: That's that's right. Yeah. And yeah.
1: That you've uh, been doing some some really great research uh, to make that piece feel authentic.
0: I have, and for me, it is the research that absolutely makes it um, more plausible as a piece of writing. And if I go back, I mean, you're right, I am writing something about Belfast at the moment, but um, my story, Silver in the Quarter, which is in Hometown Tales, and that's published by Orion, um, the the character, it's first-person narrative. The character is um, a young Man, well, he's thirteen years old. He's a young teenager. Yeah. Um, he's from Birmingham, and he's um, and and that story is set in nineteen seventy four. Um, and I I happen to be female, a lot older than thirteen. Right. I was brought up in Liverpool. Um, in that story, he. Um, goes into the jewellery quarter and we see inside one of the workshops. So how how does a writer do all that, step into a completely other um, character's shoes and experience the world like them? For me, that character um, was a, you know, and being able to create that character, I researched so much and, and a brilliant way of researching is of course just simply to talk to people someone who has experienced that um, who knows about that I mean you can read and read which I did I looked at photographs I looked at lots of photographs of the jewellery quarter from that era um, and I also read a lot about that time in Birmingham but listening to people's voices, um, hearing the kind of uh, the, the dialect, the rhythm, the kind of words they use, the way they put phrases together, yeah. really listening, I think, yeah. um, helps you create an authentic character yeah. and to spend some time really thinking almost like that th- that person would this is where i think we may draw on some of our own experiences because although that character is entirely different to me i do remember what it's like to be 13 yeah um i do remember what it's like to be a young teenager and um even though that's set in 1974 I've worked with teenagers for years because I love working with young people and, and running creative writing workshops and so on. And I think some things don't change. And, um, the you know, those teenage years are always a little bit angsty, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as, you, yeah, as your body yeah. changes in terms of yeah. the hormones and you literally physically grow. And I wanted to write about that i really wanted to write about um that I'm, i love matt i love the whole thing about transformation and transition Yeah, yeah um yeah. and that part of our lives is right there isn't it it's right on the cusp of yeah, yeah. us changing into the people we become um,
1: Yeah. yeah so and, that makes yeah yeah that that just reminds me that there's sort of writing has this fascinating process where you're writing about somebody really different from you in so many ways yeah but you're also writing about something that you know so well even though uh, yeah and sometimes i think that research overlaps with you know those writing exercises that people do and that I do and lots of people do where you you write without lifting the pen you do free writing and you don't censor yourself and I think sometimes you find out what you know that you didn't know that you knew (laughs) if that that makes sense And, and that's To me, that's like it's almost like research into 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 your other layers, into your subconscious and what your what your memory banks know and all. We know so much about people that I think um, we don't know. We we haven't remembered that we know. Yes, and we can play tricks with ourselves as writers to access some of that information.
0: Yeah, and you know something, Matt. That that thing where you, um, I think you have to reconnect with yourself as well because some people, you know, if you ask them, they're well into adulthood and if you say to them, for example, can you remember what it was like when you were a teenager and there's a blankness that comes across them? Yeah. I I, I actually think you have to dig into your own research in a way and remember if say if you're writing as a teenager some of your own experiences but also the experiences of other people that you remember yeah. and i do think memory is also actually quite a useful tool to have to keep your memory sharp yeah. um you and know
1: some, sometimes writing is is uh you, you know i've always got this picture in my mind that memory is stored in us in, in all these cabinets and some of them are easy to open and some of them have gone and a bit are, rusty yeah. and, that, yes. and that writing sometimes is, is spraying WD-40 onto some of those rusty cabinets and, and yeah. getting them to open up again
0: Yeah, even, even if um, that's a little bit tricky doing that, yeah. if you are going to uh, write from a different perspective, another character who is Um, quite different to yourself, I think an an emotional box of resources are there for you. But, you know, I I would say, though, for I I mean, I work in quite a lot of universities um, and so on. I do think that even though you have yourself as a resource, I would encourage every young person who wants to write to actually Go out of themselves and be curious yeah. about the world, yeah. Yeah. And, and and to sh- and also, you know, like you did with the taxi drivers, <laughs> yeah. to actually yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, learn how to see um, opportunities. You walk past the taxi rank, you, you saw an opportunity that interested you, you were curious, um, and then to have the courage to go in and say, Do you mind? And perhaps have a rejection. That guy could have said, No, we we, we don't we don't want you here. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: I I I, I think, you know, some of my richest seams of um making an imagination have come from Having the courage to ask people and yeah. listen, really listen, because yeah. I'm a, I, I'm naturally a really shy person. I've had it's a skill I've had to learn, yeah. um, and you know the other thing is I think we all have particular uh, themes that we are drawn to. Yeah. So the story I was just talking about. One of the things I wanted to explore was friendship, and that has been a theme for me. I'm often drawn to. So can you remember when I um, I created a piece with Sarah Matthews about the lunar men?
1: Yes, very. I remember it very well.
0: Right. Well, I was drawn to that group of men. Um, from, (laughs) again, very different to me. It was a group of men. You know, they were generally quite privileged men. Uh, You're talking about the um, mid-18th century. Um, I was drawn to that because of their friendship, actually, um, as well as their intellect. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm moving on now a little bit, I guess, to historical research a little bit because... You also wrote, didn't you, about um, the Lunar Society?
1: I did. I became fascinated by uh, the Lunar Society. It was a. I was following uh, a thread really, and I'd had a commission to write something about uh, Belpa Joe, who was a a porcelain figure that was made in the uh, early 19th century to commemorate a character from Belper folklore who Mm. had been um, treated with in mixed ways by the struts of Belper Uh, and he was said to be simple-minded and I wrote some poems sort of in his defense really but Mm. in writing them I wanted him to Uh, meet and be on the edges of the uh, lunar society and so I had Mm. him meet Joseph Wright and Hmm. I had Hmm. I had him uh, go for tea with Mary Shelley on on her way up to Scotland and eat (laughs) Mm. Derbyshire oat cakes Mm. and um, and I became fascinated by uh, the lunar society and their once you start to, it's like a lot of historical research once you start to plummet one thing in depth mm. you mm. find all sorts of um, extraordinary you know there was there was the invention yeah. of laughing gas and horizontal windmills and Erasmus Darwin yes. who was making yes. making uh, he made a, a figure that he thought that used leather leather uh like a leather diaphragm. He was trying to re- recreate a human head, uh, mm. that would say vowel sounds. And he made it out yes. wood like wooden leather. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was like 20 years before Frankenstein.
0: Yeah.
1: So you start to get these little connections going on. You go, ah, 20 minute years before Frankenstein, somebody was working on machine like versions of human beings, uh, in a small room in Nitchfield, I think, Erasmus Darwin mm. lived in.
0: He did, yeah. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, so all those connections start to fire fire ideas and fascinate him.
0: Y- yeah, and you mentioned Joseph Wright there, so I'm, I'm just going to say something about him, that if people don't know who he is, he was this extraordinary painter, Joseph Wright of Derby and in fact if you go to Derby Art Gallery I'm hoping it's back open soon but they've got an extraordinary collection of his paintings there and um, he actually was my way into the Lunar Society because I wanted to create a piece of storytelling um, that was very painterly Um, so I discovered through my research which was um, through reading and also through looking at his paintings that Joseph Wright was, he got quite ill. I don't know whether you know this Matt. And Erasmus actually took him in and looked after him and so I knew that he'd spent a few days with um, Erasmus Darwin in his house at Litchfield Okay and I thought and this is where the other bit comes in you do your research you find out facts like that and then you can actually begin to use your imagination and this is for me where I begin to then question what was that like for him what was that experience like how would Erasmus have treated him and I decided that because the Lunar Society were all these I- I- incredible inventors and in- intellectuals, etc., cetera, um, that Joseph Wright would be invited to one of their meetings and they, they always used to meet um, on the night of a full moon because actually in those days it would have been the safest way to travel because they didn't have streetlights. Um, So I thought that too was a very painterly image in my head, the silvery light of the moon and how that casts a kind of magical quality over um, everything in the darkness. And also, obviously, because they didn't have electricity that you could just switch on in those days, I also thought that the, um, the light... Would be candles, and because yeah. Joseph Wright used that often like a, a yeah. central light yeah. kind of chiaroscuro effect in yeah. his paintings yeah. to me yeah. that that created a real dramatic tension which I used in the telling of the story that I invented the other the other marvelous thing was for me do, writing about the lunarmen was that you know none of those Meetings were ever recorded, so I could oh. <laughs> make them up. What they said to each other, and I did know this. I knew that I knew that they they used to feast together and drink a lot. And in fact, Matthew Bolton, if you go to his house right. in Soho in Birmingham, you know he had his own vault of wine. Yeah. They loved drinking. These yeah. men, so it's like bringing. I knew they'd be a little bit tiddly. Uh, you know, they would have been.
1: Well, that um, was uh, that was another thing that I remember that I built on after my research because I I read about their pudding clubs. Yeah, they used yeah, yeah. to have a pudding club, and uh, <laughs> after I'd written the Belpa Joe pieces, there was a there was a wonderful event at at Belpa that um, number twenty eight put on, where. Yeah. People from Belpa brought their own Belpa Joe porcelain figures, so there were seven or eight. But the other joyous thing was that the uh, mayor of Belpa at at that time, which was about ten years ago, was called Joe, and and he came he came in and he dressed as Belpa Joe. Um, So and that was a moment, and and we had a pudding club event in Belpa. Uh, so that's mm. a sort of commemoration of mm. that particular period of history. Um, See
0: that—that you know what, Matt? That that just shows me how marvelous research is, and yes. how it it can become incredibly celebratory. Yes. for May research—it's in fact, I think, Hilary Mantel when she was talking about reading, writing those wonderful books, those you know where she. Um, creates this extraordinary Tudor world for us. She calls it something like a a, a spider's legs or, you know, researching it or a spider's web. And I think it is like that. You start somewhere, don't you? And then it just sort of, you find yourself in this great huge web with lots of interesting things that you find out and often end up, Somewhere where you know you're doing that, you're actually doing the celebration, um, of, of whatever. I ended up eating lunar society type food at one point. Yeah. In a you know, you end um, up
1: making your own version of the world that you've researched, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So you start to live something which you haven't experienced, yes. but you're finding your own way of living it, um, yes. Uh, And the other thing that came to my mind when you were talking about uh, loving the painterliness of Mm. Joseph Wright and how that took you into your piece was um, when I did some work on uh, writing about allotments. And I used to go and spend whole afternoons just visiting allotments and looking Mm. at leaks and writing about a leak for half an hour. Uh, and writing yeah. about cabbages for half an hour and just really, really close, close detail on what yeah. things look like to make them really, really feel true. Yes,
0: uh, that observational skill I think is really important. When I'm reading a book, that's what I want to see. I wanted to. I love the detail.
1: Yeah, and that's um, research too, isn't it? That's yeah. you know you can't just pluck that stuff out of the air all the time from memories of cabbages. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Yeah, much better to look at a cabbage and... Uh, and uh. <laughs> Looking at
0: cabbages is research. It can be. It can you know? be, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Matt, i tell you what I wanted to finally ask you about. You wrote your show about uh, dogs. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Snoopy Question. Yeah. And in that show... Yeah. Um, you have a character which is kind of yourself, but You're also this of. A, 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 a a sort of, it's like a version, an exaggerated version, perhaps, yeah. of yourself. Yeah. And he becomes so obsessed by research yeah. that he ends <laughs> up wanting to be a dog.
1: Yeah, so the, I'll tell you a very brief anecdote about that, which yeah. it linked to research, was I wanted to write about a dog's fantastic sense of smell and about yeah. our dog Lola's sense of smell and there's a short scene in the show which is completely true where I started off I spent a morning and I started off by sniffing the hall floor and taking notes and then I sniffed the the porch and then I sniffed all the way down the garden path and then I sniffed yeah. the pavement And then I went down the road sniffing Sue's Drive where Lola would sniff. So I just followed Lola, ducking down and sniffing everything that she sniffed and taking notes. Um, And that was a bit of research that I'll remember because I was sort of worried. You know how sometimes when you do research you think, people are going to think you're a bit bonkers.
0: Well, yes. You're bending
1: down and (laughs) sniffing the bottoms of (laughs) lampposts and... (laughs) Sniffing Sue's driveway. Um, But what did you discover from doing that for your writing? For my writing, I did. uh, Do you know what? By the end, I spent about (laughs) two hours doing that. And I swear to you, I swear to you, no word of a lie, that my nose was more finely attuned by the end of that two hours. And I was picking Mm up, you know how we think we just smell one thing, but I was picking up multiple smells. Yeah, and and linking smells to things to memories, and my writing uh, just yeah. developed and sort of went off on one, as they think they say. <laughs> you know, I yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. got up to the roundabout and I was sniffing the um the the lamp post at the roundabout and I was smelling the metro in Paris, and I was smelling um oh. I was smelling rugby socks from when I was about fifteen. Uh, slightly sweaty rugby socks combined with the smell of the metro in paris yeah and you know it's just accessing all sorts of interesting um stuff
0: thoughts and and memories thoughts and memories and yeah things. and you have you you have um, a detective dog don't you in in that um in that show the the one who's the hound that goes into the scene of the crime
1: yeah, the detective dog that can uh, sniff a gram of your sweat in an area yes. the size of Birmingham and Dudley rolled together.
0: That that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and that went. So when you were describing that bit of research you did by actually physically, um, almost becoming a dog and and sniffing things out, I can see that. As you were saying that, I can see how that came into the whole poem. About that detective dog, which is wonderful, okay. by the way, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, listen, yeah, long
1: live research, I say, long
0: li- absolutely long live research. Three cheers because it's blooming fun, mm. this, and for me, it's absolutely joyful. And we have talked, haven't we, about cabbages, dogs, the Lunar Society, p- painters. I mean, you know, I think it is about. Be curious. Allow your nose, literally, to lead you. In your case, Matt, but you know the things that do interest you. You will find out so much, and it will in in researching, speaking to people, yeah. um, in when you, when reading. Get,
1: and and I think it, it's sometimes a stage thing. Like so, for me, I got to a stage where writing personal poems. I'd done a lot of it and and I needed to move on in some way. And I still write personal poems, but I needed another area to explore. And uh, research was one of the ways that I found other absolute uh, God-sent Elysian fields of wonders to Mm. go and um, to find out about and write about.
0: yeah yeah so so on that note i want to say thanks so much matt for yet another brilliant chat Uh, um you know we have the podcast on collaboration we will definitely talk again and i'm sure that we'll both go off from here and carry on researching
1: yeah that was great (laughs) thanks maria i love that That yeah (laughs) i did too really enjoyed it
0: take care matt and i'll see you soon yeah and you cheers bye